Tuesday Night Mystery Club. Hello and welcome to the Tuesday Night Mystery Club. I'm your host, Caitlin McCleskey, and today it's just me. I'm not joined by anybody because I'm trying something new. So most weeks I have a guest on who's asking questions and trying to solve the murder mystery as I tell, tell the story. But this week I wanted to just try out just telling the story to listeners at home. I think that this will make a shorter episode, which might be interesting if that's, that's something uh, you look for in a podcast. And I don't know, just, just a new format. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on how this goes. And if you, you liked it, you want me to do it again, or if you didn't find it as fun. So you can email me at TuesdayNightMysteryClub at gmail.com with your feedback. I would be happy to hear from you. So the mystery that I am doing today is called The Boxdale Inheritance, and it's by P.D. James, who is a author that I have not read before, but she was a contemporary to Agatha Christie and Dorothy L. Sayers, kind of writing in that same time period. And I, this is the first short story or kind of book at all I've read of her, and I really liked it. I thought that it was pretty similar to Agatha Christie's style. At certain points, it felt like I was reading an Agatha Christie. And so that was, I mean, interesting, I guess. <laughs> so this, this short story comes from the More Murder Most Cozy collection, which is a collection of several different murder mystery authors in one book. So without anyone to stop me, let's get started. <laughs> so this book starts with the Chief Superintendent Dalglish, which is how I'm going to pronounce his name because no one's here to stop me. And he is visiting his godfather, who is the canon Hubert Boxdale. And so he had been pretty, he's pretty fond of his godfather. He was, you know, he, he did all the right things when he was a child. He kind of followed through with his responsibilities. But on top of that, he's just a really, really kind man. Like he's known to just kind of have a good heart. Like he's, he's always looking out for people uh, they give an example where his housekeeper, she only ever works five hours, even though she's paid for six, and every day she steals two eggs from the fridge. And Hubert, the godfather, knows about this, but he also recognizes that she has five children at home, and so lets it happen because it's kind of out of the goodness of his heart. He's like, he need, she needs the eggs and the money more than I do. So that's the kind of example given about him. And he's asking, he, is, he has just received or I guess inherited 50,000 pounds from someone who he refers to as Great Aunt Allie. And in reality, she was his step-grandmother, and she had just recently passed away. And so there's a little bit of information about that. She had lived her, her life really to the fullest, and I think had died while someone was throwing her a birthday party on a cruise ship in like the south of France or something crazy like that. She had, she had fallen overboard. So, she, you know, she'd gone out with a bang. <laughs> she had been 88. And, but the, so the issue that is happening with this inheritance is that his step-grandmother had been accused of murdering his grandfather, but had been acquitted at trial. Like she had been found not guilty. But, however, the family had always suspected that she really had murdered the grandfather. And so Canon Hubert has some issue with accepting this money because he feels like it was inherited in bad faith. Like it's really not his to inherit is, is what he's kind of going at. And so he's talking to his godson, Chief Superintendent Delgliesh, and asking, asking him, 
you know, you're, you're a chief superintendent. Can you look into this case? I know it's 60 years old. Like it's really old. But if you were able to tell me that she was not guilty of this murder, I would feel no, no harm in accepting this inheritance. So, of course, Daglish is, you know, he wants to make his, his godfather happy. He's down to accept this. And so he starts looking into things. So it starts with Canon Hubert kind of describing what what he remembers from from this murder to, to a degree. And he had been four at the time. He had been pretty young, but they had his family had gone to his grandfather's for Christmas, for Christmas dinner. And you know, he loved his grandfather, but he had actually never he hadn't been told about the murder until a year later. It was it was one of these funny things because once the family had returned from his grandfather's, he had said to the nurse or asked the nurse is uh, grandfather going to be young and beautiful for always? And the nurse had taken that, that he had like a sixth sense and knew about knew about his grandfather's death already. The, the other information that two men kind of get into is uh, more info on the, the grandmother, step-grandmother Allie, as they call her. And so she, the kind of like main point is that the grandfather had been around 70 years old when he had married her when she was 25. So this huge age difference that kind of contributed to the opinion of the family that she was a gold digger, like she wasn't there in good faith in this marriage. And so that had been kind of like this, this feeling between her and the family. The, the quote that's given at this point when, when the grandfather brings this new wife home with him is, Meet the prettiest little variety artist in the business. Took a gold watch and note case off me without any trouble. Would have had the elastic out of my pants if I hadn't watched out. Anyway, she stole my heart, didn't you, sweetheart? So that's the impression of this this new wife that the family is getting. So with that kind of that's all that's all that the the canon can kind of remember. And he was again, he was four at the time. Most likely everyone else in the family and the household to have been there is dead at this point. Uh, so Daglish kind of just promises he'll do the best that he can with what he's been giving. So he's going to dig up the case files to begin with. So he manages to get his hands on them. And it's, it's, it's pretty interesting. So the judge is kind of like summing up everything that happened to the jury. And that's in these, these case notes. And so that's what Daglish is reading. And they're describing how on on Christmas Day, the grandfather, whose name was Augustus, he had eaten, indulged himself too much at lunch, and so had been feeling sick and gone up to his bed to lie down. And that was not that was normal. Like he he had digestive issues all the time, and so the symptoms he was experiencing totally normal. So he's up in bed, and then around eight p.m., dinner was served in the household for everyone else, and so. The people who were present at the meal at dinner were Mrs. Augustus, or Allie, the, the step-grandmother. There were two two sons, Captain Maurice Boxdale and his wife, and then his younger son, who is Hubert Boxdale, the, the canon that we've been talking about. Then there was the second son of the grandfather, Reverend Henry Boxdale and his wife, and then there was the granddaughter. So the this Augustus grandfather man of the house, he'd had three children and two sons and a daughter. The daughter had died and left her child, so his granddaughter. Her name is Miss Marguerite Godard because of her her last name is from her father. And then there were also two neighbors, the the Reverend and his wife. 
from the town. So Allie had had the first course at dinner and then she had gone up to sit with her husband. And at some point, I think she had called down to one of the servants and asked for them to make her husband some gruel. And there's this whole thing about like, I don't know, liking gruel versus not, or if it's good for someone who's sick. So I, I don't know anything about it, but that's what she asked for. And so one of the, I think the servants, it was prepared in the company of two servants. They One was preparing it while the other was watching it, and the other brought, the one not preparing it brought it upstairs. And as she was going into the room, the wife, Allie, was coming out of the room with some stockings to do some washing. And so she told her, just leave it on the washstand and I'll bring it into him. So the servant leaves it there and leaves the room. So sometime later, it's at 9.15 p.m., Miss Godard, so the, the granddaughter, she excuses herself and goes up to see if her grandfather needs anything. And it's established that this time, uh, as was typical of the time period, the women had left the men in the dining room and had gone to like the, the drawing room to have coffee or whatever while the men smoked and drank port or again, whatever they were doing. And so the, that was the three men in the dining room and the rest of the ladies in the drawing room. Miss Godard, the goddaughter, uh, sorry, the granddaughter goes upstairs and she comes back down three quarters of an hour later. So around 10 to say there's something wrong with her grandfather. So Miss Godard testifies that when she enters the room, so where, where Ali and the husband and the grandfather Augustus were sitting, he was just finishing the gruel and was grumbling about the taste, but like in a way of, you, you know, gruel can't possibly taste that great. So he was just kind of complaining half-heartedly about that it kind of it, it tasted, it wasn't, it wasn't the same dinner that everyone else had experienced downstairs, the Christmas dinner. So it was more to do with that. And she then, when he finished, Miss Godard took the bowl into the next room and left it on the washstand. And then herself, her grandfather, and Allie, they played what they call three-handed whist, which I don't know what it is. I didn't look it up, but some card game that uh, if you are interested in. Whist is spelt W-H-I-S-T for your information. Then around 10 o'clock, as I've said, Mr. Augustus started to complain that he was feeling really sick. And so Miss Godard goes downstairs to tell everyone else. They call a doctor. The doctor arrives, tries to subdue some of the pain. But within a couple of hours, Augustus Boxdale dies. It is also noted that when the servant had brought in the gruel into Allie and uh, Augustus's room, Allie had been soaking flypaper in a glass of water, which is noted apparently at the time, this is 1902, women would use this as like a face, face, not face cream, but like something you put on your face as a form of like something for beauty, I think. And it should also be noted that I think it had arsenic in it. And so you could concentrate arsenic that way again. I'm not super clear on this. I don't know, maybe back in the day this was like common knowledge or more people knew about it, but something about flypaper, possibly arsenic or some other kind of poisoning. So Miss Godard also describes, has described at trial, and this is again being kind of like repeated by the judge in his summing up, that she had, after her grandfather had become sick, she kind of remembered the gruel, wondered if it could have like, that could have been what upset his stomach, 
And when she mentioned it to her uncle, the Captain Maurice Boxdale, he had agreed with her and had immediately taken the bowl, brought it downstairs, and I think either left it with a doctor or locked it in a safe, something along those lines to kind of like seal it away. So it's the idea of like, it was it was sitting there for a little bit, but it got it got locked away afterwards. It couldn't have been tampered with. And of course it was found to contain, the, the little bit of gruel that was left was found to contain arsenic. So even Dagliash kind of has to agree that the, 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 the three men and their wives are all innocent because all six of them, to a degree, like the three women and the three men had remained within each other's sights the entire evening. And so just due to the reaction time of the arsenic, it couldn't have been them. And so every, everyone thought that it was Allie, that Allie had committed this murder. She had had the most opportunity and that's why she was on trial. They also, on top of not having opportunity, all, all six of those people, and then on top of that, Miss Godard, they couldn't find a motive because he, I think it was known that the grandfather Augustus, when he had married this this new woman, Allie, I think he had written a new will that left her everything. So, by ki- but like him dying, they would just have preferred him to be alive because there was a chance that he might write a new will in the future. So it really, motive, opportunity, like trying to think of those things, it didn't seem likely. So Dagliash has just kind of finished reading through these case notes, and then he remembers this this man, Aubrey Glatt, who writes about apparently notable Victorian and Edwardian poison cases, which seems extremely specific, but apparently he writes books on, on these specific cases. I guess that must be a thing. People do that. Kind of historian type thing. So that's interesting. And so he goes to find him and kind of like ask him some questions about the case. And Aubrey Glatt, actually, he had start he had started looking into writing a book about this case because he lived nearby. So it was kind of a, uh, not when it had happened, because again, this is 60 years ago, but in current day, he lives near the house. And so what would have been of interest to him? But I, I think, well, I'll get to it. So he shows, he kind of takes out his notebook on the case and shows the photograph of the wedding day that he calls the Beauty and the Beast because Allie was so beautiful and young and this old grandfather Augustus was what he calls a beast. Like he just calls him really ugly. And then he gets into kind of more about the trial. And what was interesting to Mr. Glatt was how well the defense lawyer had done at kind of protecting his client. And it was all to do, well, not all to do, but they had just presented the, the defense they had used was to the jury saying there is no evidence that this woman, Allie, poisoned her husband. Can you really morally send her to the gallows? Because that was the punishment at the time without evidence. Like, what if you're wrong? Like, what if you're, what if she isn't the murderer? Like, we can't prove it without a doubt. And, and so she had, that's, she had been found not guilty. And it's, it, it it like we don't no one feels convinced right now because the jury could have like felt that she should do it but then felt this kind of like moral ambiguity of but what if I'm wrong and that I've sent this woman to death and yada 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 so it it hasn't it hasn't cleared anything up for Dagliash to be able to give to his godfather so then they talk a little bit about Marguerite Godard 
or Miss Godar, and you know her her mom had died during childbirth, and her father I think had died a year later, and she had been she had been supposed to marry this like this guy Captain Breeze Lacey, who I think did come into the the title that he had or something like that, but they had not been. Uh, married and he had tried to trace her a couple years earlier to, to ask her about this murder case and that was what he was going to be able to use to write about the book but she had sent him a letter in return saying Miss Godard presents her compliments to Mr. Aubrey Glatt. She did not murder her grandfather and has neither the time nor the inclination to gratify his curiosity by discussing the person who did. So a pretty flat out uh, no, thank you. Please go away. And so that was that. It was like, okay, well, if that's all I'm going to get from the one of the only living witnesses, this book's not going to happen. They're also kind of crazy enough. The, the house where this had happened 60 years ago is just about to be demolished. And so Mr. Glatt suggests, why don't we, why don't we pop over there and just take a quick visit before this piece of history is 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 gone and so they go over and are kind of looking around the house and obviously there's nothing in it like it's, it's literally about to be demolished and the only thing that Dagliash kind of notices is that the the way the curtains would have been hung he's kind of thinking in his head someone possibly could have been hiding behind those curtains so that this idea of this gruel was left possibly unattended for a period of a few minutes how like maybe 15 minutes however long it took for uh, Allie, the wife, to wash her stockings and come back into the room. And so could someone have been, I don't know, could someone have been hiding behind the curtains or could someone have seen something? It's that kind of, that's the only kind of takeaway from the house that he gets. So Dagliash then has to, he has to try and find this, this woman, Miss Godar, who would, she'd be, she'd be an old woman at this point based on how old she was at the time of the murder. But he he's kind of like, she, She's got to know something, like I need to find her. And so he's able to kind of trace her down with some effort because she'd just been going from hotel to hotel and it seemed no one wanted to have her at their hotel. No one liked her. I don't know. She kind of starting to seem like a mean old woman type idea. And finally he finds her. She had become very ill in the last six months and had been transferred to a hospital, which is where he was able to find her. And so he goes there and speaks to one of the nurses and the nurse kind of asks, are you family? Like no one's been here to visit her, which he knows is because basically there's no one left in the family. And he hands the nurse a note with four words written on it and says, can you give this to Miss Godard? And with that, with that message, Miss Godard agrees to speak with him and they start to discuss what had happened with the murder. So I'm going to pause here. I'm going to tell you all, think about, think about everything I've just said. I'm hoping that I've left in all the important information, although I'm not perfect. And think about what you think happened with this, this grandfather, this murdered man, Augustus Boxdale. And if you'd like, if you're interested, you can go check out my Instagram at Tuesday Night Mystery Club, where I will have a post for today's episode and you can comment what you think has happened, who is the murderer, what's going on with this story. You can hopefully, if other people have commented, see what their thoughts were and we can have a kind of conversation about it if you want. And then come back replay this, not replay, press play on this episode, and I will tell you the solution now. Okay, 
So Dalglagash gets into the room of this woman, Miss Godar, this dying woman, and the, she looks at him, she looks him up and down, and she props herself up, and she reads aloud the four words that he had written on this slip of paper. It was the child. And she says, you're right, of course. And then she starts to go into what had happened. And he, she kind of makes him promise first that he's he's not going to, she doesn't want this story talked about. Like, she doesn't want him to be like Aubrey Glatt and write a book about it. And he says, no, I'm not, that's not what I'm here for. I just need to know. So she, she is going to tell him kind of like all she knows, but she wants to know that how, how did Deglish kind of come to this conclusion? And so he tells her, well, we knew that the child, Hubert, so this is the godfather we're talking about, Hubert Boxdale, who was at the dinner table having dinner on Christmas but we don't hear him mentioned again. So he wasn't accounted for because no one thought to account for the whereabouts of a four-year-old child. And so he thinks that the, the small boy would have loved being around his grandfather. He probably spent a lot of time with him. And so in turn spent a lot of time with his new bride, Allie. And so he thinks that in, in doing so, he might have, the boy might have been around with Allie on a lot of her chores or whatever she was doing around on the day. And he may have watched her make that flypaper face wash that she was making and asked what it was for. And she could have said something along the lines of, to make me young and beautiful. And so, because he loved his grandfather and he saw that his grandfather looked, you know, kind of like old, he wanted, <laughs> he wanted him to be young and beautiful. And so Dagliash is suggesting that the child, the four-year-old Hubert, had poured the flypaper water into the gruel. And he also suggests that hiding behind one of the curtains was Miss Godar, who had seen all of this happen. This is where Miss Godar kind of cuts in, or not cuts in, but starts to tell kind of her story and how, of course, he's right. And she had watched, watched the child get up on a stool and pour, pour this water into the gruel and, you know, a little bit of spilled. And so when he quickly left the room and went back to his nurse, she went and wiped up the water and then using using a pitch of water in the room, filled back up the flypaper water to make it level with what it should have been. And so then watched, watched her grandfather eat it and die without pity or remorse. And she thinks that she hated them both equally. And the plan was is that her grandfather would die and then Allie would be tried in court and found guilty and she would have hung for the murder. And so by this, Ms. Godar was going to get rid of both of them. However, so Allie was, it was known to be quick-handed with her, like her, her acts of um, pickpocketing that she kind of performed and she, because of this ability to notice things, she had noticed the spill on the table from the, from the flypaper water. I think it would have been brown. Again, I don't know too much about this. So like, you know, as much as I know. And so she would have, she realized after her husband had eaten the gruel, but you know, beforehand what Miss Godar had done. And she'd used that to her advantage because she kind of played a gamble where she could make it through the the trial and be found not guilty because of the way trials work, she would never be allowed, she couldn't be tried again. And then she could blackmail Miss Godar. And so Miss Godar had whatever from her, her father that had died, she had this inheritance. And she tells Dagliash that Ali had taken 
all of her money. And that's how she was kind of able to have all this fun around the world is off of Miss Godard, who couldn't say anything. Because it was kind of like, even, even if she said it wasn't me, it was the child, she knew that the child had done it and she had done nothing. She hadn't stopped her grandfather from eating this gruel. Like, she was clearly a murderer. And so it's all that ridiculousness that no, Ali is not a murderer. It was Miss Godar, and she's a dying woman now. And so Dagliesh, again, he's kind of agreed to not say anything and not tell anyone, but he is able to go back to his godfather, Hubert Boxdale, and tell him, "I, you would understand that I can't give away confidential information. However, I can tell you without a uh, possible doubt that your step-grandmother, Ali, was not a murderer, and the money that you have received has all been in good faith. And so that is the story of The Boxdale Inheritance by P.D. James. So I hope you all liked that. I hope you liked a different story and not just an Agatha Christie. Please let me know what you thought of not having a guest on. I'm going to listen back to this and hear it for myself and see how I feel as well. <laughs> uh, so some final remarks. I have a Patreon, which you can subscribe to to help support this podcast and support what I'm doing uh, so that I can keep creating more podcasts and make them even better, better quality. I'd like to thank some of my patrons currently, which are Michael Borello, Barb McLean, Debbie Kravis, Emily Shelton, and Emma Z. So thank you all so much for your support. As I've mentioned previously, if you'd like to updates or you want to comment on and tell me what you thought about the episode or what you thought was going to happen or you just like to see some mystery book content you can follow me on instagram at tuesday night mystery club and if you have any comments or concerns you can email me tuesday night mystery club at gmail.com one more thing next week is going to be a fantastic episode my friend excuse me my best friend, Charlotte Martin, is back on, and we are talking about The Death on the Nile, an Agatha Christie book, of which the movie is being released uh, in early December. And we both read the book, and we both discuss what we think is going to happen with neither of us having read the solution. So it's going to be a really good episode. It was a lot of fun to read the book, talk to Charlotte, talk about what we thought was going to happen, and it will give you, if you're interested, a little insight on how I work through a murder mystery if I'm trying to solve it. Um, so, you know, have a great night or a good day, whatever time of day you're listening to this, and um, I hope you join me again next week. Goodbye!